0: Hey there, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch, and as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing Podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. My guest today is a multi-award-winning entrepreneur who earns his investors a recession-proof and market-beating return with wine and whiskey alternative investments. I'm excited about this episode. But before, we have an Amazon customer who said, I really enjoyed the yellow book. I now have a blueprint to purchase a multifamily duplex or apartment building. I love how all the steps are broken down. I've highlighted every single page and we will use this as a guide to get my first real estate deal. If you guys have read Michael Blanc's book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing and found it valuable, please leave a positive review on Amazon and you could be one of the lucky reviews to get a shout out in a future episode. So before we get into the show, I wanted to chat a little bit about what we're seeing out there. And so there's, there's quite a bit of fear in the marketplace there's a lot happening with these bank the banks collapsing with the fed raising interest rates and how is it impacting the real estate market so first of all there is still volatility in the loan process and just loan proceeds that are available right now what that's doing is it's making pricing go down quite a bit so we we just picked up an amazing deal that was 30 percent off and this is honestly the best time, in my opinion, could get even better time to, to buy deals just because of how much of a discount there's been because of this. We had the, the treasuries fall a little bit because of the the banking issue. So now the the Fed has to look at keeping these banks stabilized and also raise interest rates. And so so you've got a little bit of, they have a little bit of a conflict right now with what's going on in the market what they don't want is that all these banks that are that are failing the regional banks to it to spread further with something called contagion and if that happens obviously it's going to be a big big issue but in the real estate side of things there's a lot of opportunity and so we've actually increased our team by 75% and we're going after awesome opportunities that exist in the market so if you guys are interested in getting involved with the pros on a passive investment and, and invest into a deal that you probably didn't have access to or you wouldn't have access to on your own, you can go to nighthawkequity.com and click the join the investor club button, set up a call with David and speak to us to see if this is the right fit for you. And we love to have a call with you. So one of our first deal makers success highlights that I wanted to mention is Reed Starkey, Closed on a 236 unit in Jacksonville, North Carolina for $16 million. His his mentor was Drew Whitson. That's really cool as well. So Maxwell Knee went from sleeping on couches to a seven figure business in the world's first wine and whiskey investment fund. He is a managing partner of OENO Australia, an OENO wine and whiskey fund. We are excited to get into this interview with Maxwell.
1: Maxwell, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Garrett. Really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so you have a really interesting asset class. We're talking about wine and whiskey today, which I which I'm pretty excited about.
1: How did you get into this? Um, great question. That's what everyone asked me. So I I finished university and went straight to finance and investments. I've always been in finance and investments. Worked for Australia's biggest bank and corporate banking, all that sort of stuff, and left that. Hated it by the end of that, you know, as, as most people do <laughs> in their graduate jobs. And then I started my own online business that was very much like a cash cow. So it was an online business coaching business, and what I quickly realised was that people were. Basically investing in us and and the business growing based on our personality, so not not based on any assets in the business. So I just had, I was almost like a singer, I had to keep singing at the band, you know, every week to, to keep the keep the business going, the revenue coming in. So I was desperately looking to put my money somewhere, you know, put my money to work, you know, just sort of build like that solid asset base or recurring revenue or something, right? So I did what most people do, looked around and put a bit into property, get uh, real estate in Australia gave it a little bit to my mom. And then I wanted an alternative, you know. And wine and whiskey was always in the back of my head, you know, because I just knew that there was something there that I didn't quite understand. And then then I had a a pretty profound experience one time in Chicago. So I was in Chicago catching up with one of my best friends at this really swanky bar. You know, there's like acrobatics happening and, and we're sitting there, we're drinking. And then the bartender says, you know, what would you like to drink? And then I say... I would like to drink an old fashioned. Then he says, okay, would you like it with bourbon or, you know, single malt scotch? And I said, oh, you know, single malt scotch, you know, uh, I don't really like bourbon. And then he said, great. So would you like Macallan 12, Macallan 18? So for anyone listening, you know, Macallan scotch whiskey is a bit like the Ferrari of scotch whiskey. It's like sort of really famous, pretty high end. And, I said, you know what, I'm on holiday, let's, let's do the 18. So I drink the 18, thought, wow, this is delicious, you know, and I've never had an 18-year-old before. 18 means that it's 18 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And then I give, I give something to my friend, and then my friend drinks it, and he doesn't even like whiskey. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. And then he drinks like half of it, drinks half of my drink. And then I'm, we're drinking it, we're drinking it. And then I asked the bartender, how much was this again? And he says, 125 I said, no, 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 not how much was the tab how much is this drink? And he said, 125. (laughs) And then I said, wow, shit. Well, I'm committed now. So and I said, well, how much was the 12? And he said, 25. I thought, wow. So what I know about these two drinks is that the 18 is, is the same liquid as a 12 the same production process, right? The only difference is that it's been sitting in a warehouse for six more years, just sitting there, you know, like that's literally nothing else. And you're talking about a 500% increase in, in value in six years. So just, so like a, like a light bulb went off in my head that there's really something here. And then, you know, I started with whiskey investing first, where you basically invest in cars that is then to be bottled. Like like a McAllen 18. And then I found wine investments. And then, you know, I decided to go all in and, you know, found the best operator, in my opinion. And then wanted to bring this to other parts of the world, like Australia. I knew Australia didn't have this yet. We're bringing this to America by way of the Delaware Investment Fund. And that's what we do. Wow. So, how do you talk to me about,
0: like, what is the, you said you found a good operator. What does that mean exactly? Is that somebody that's creating the actual whiskey? Is it is it somebody that's running that's finding you the deals? Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. So it's the fundamentals are very, very similar to property in real estate. Really, really similar. So in the wine whiskey investment world, where you want to be is you want to be in the top one percent of production. So the 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 best of the best. So it's like it's like in real estate you want to have the best location. you know. If you have the best location, most things are sorted. So it's like, the, how do you get access to the best location? You know, you either got to know someone, you got to pay a high price or whatever, or a little bit of everything. So right now, I am the managing partner of the Oeno, Wine and Whiskey Investments Fund. And Oeno, which is Greek for wine, that's where the name comes from, has been doing this for about nine years now, where they've been basically getting direct access you know, like wholesale access, at wine, whiskey investments. And we're only talking about bottles, not talking about buying shares in a company or anything like that, like the actual physical stock, just like how, you know, property real estate trusts would, would basically have deal with not shares in a building, but actual apartments, right? Apartments, units, condos, or whatever. And what the company is really, really good at is finding overlooked and undervalued hidden gems, And that's because it has an amazing acquisition team, like a YMC team. Like the YMC team's about you know five, six people, and they've got eighty years of experience. So what you need to understand about this industry is that all the best deals you can't Google them; they're all off market, just like every every deal. You know, all all the best deals in real estate, the best deals in private market companies is is all off market negotiated, and a lot of these relationships that give us visibility to these deals. Started 25 years ago with the team members that we have in the team. So, so I basically bought into just you know really really solid existing infrastructure because I knew that that's not what my strength is. But my strength was yeah you know being passionate about this, being on podcasts like this, and sharing this asset class with the broader market. Very
0: cool. So you get in with these off-market deals, and that could be like a major. Is that like a major label typically?
1: Yeah. In yeah, yeah,
0: behind a major label. So it's not it's not like some hidden thing that no one knows about. It's like you're getting in on the deals at the ground level and bringing investment exactly. capital to help their operations,
1: essentially. Exactly. The top 1%, yeah. top 1% of producers, yeah. you know, and there's a specific reason for that. So top 1% of production in wine and whiskey is just like top 1% of real estate. It moves into like the luxury economy, the luxury mm-hmm. market. And that's where we want to be because, you know, you're extra non-correlated to the market at that point these assets are non-correlated to the market anyway and you know what happened last year in 2020 you know the Bernard Arnold who's the Godfather of luxury and CEO of LVMH, leapfrogged Bezos and musk to become the world's richest person in a contract economy with the S ps down you know whatever it was 19 percent or whatever. That is where we want to be. So we want to just take the cherry of the cherry of the cherry on top of of all those benefits and give that to our investors.
0: Wow! So what it what do these the products do themselves? They just sit on a shelf, or what, Like where? How does it work exactly? Like where Where do these get distributed out? Who's buying them? Where you guys are able to profit from that?
1: Yeah. So think of it like this, right? They get produced from the vineyard or the producer or the distillery, you know, which is effectively like agriculture. So it's effectively like a farm and then it gets bottled. And then that bottle has like a wholesale value. So, you know, what we're not doing is we're not buying bottles and barrels at the top price and hoping that they go up. We're not doing that. Just like in real estate, you don't, you, you know, you don't want to be doing that. What we do is think of like, imagine you've got like a hundred dollar bottle, of wine or whiskey in front of you and it's 10 years old. So it's taken 10 years to get to that point, that, that point of value. So we don't buy at that point, hope that it goes up even more. What we do is we we look at it at a 10-year age and we look to buy it basically three, four, five years younger at ideally 30 cents on the dollar. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like it's like when you go into real estate, you look at buying the land cheap and then adding the value later. So the, the cool thing about this is that the value add that we do is just throwing it in a warehouse and just make sure the temperature is right and the humidity and the lighting and that sort of thing. So so we make sure that it's aged perfectly and not just that, but it's got what we call provenance, which is basically authenticated documentation that we can prove that it's been aged in the best conditions so that whenever we go to then sell it to Michelin-star restaurants or the Marriott Hotel or whatever... We can prove to them that it's at the best condition, the highest quality, the label's immaculate, so that, you know, their clients paying ten thousand dollars a bottle of when they when it gets to their hotel room, you know, you know, enjoys a fantastic piece of wine and whiskey.
0: This is so cool. I'm so I um involved in the, in like basically I I've hacked cars, like exotic cars before. And cool. it's very similar.
1: I don't think you should say that online. No, I shouldn't
0: say that <laughs> online, but I, <clears throat> but the, the idea is essentially you, you figure out where the car is going like as far as price. Cause it does depreciate obviously fairly quickly and you kind of find where they bought them out and then you, you buy the car and you get like a mile allotment as to how many miles you can drive with it before it starts to lose its value. Based on kind of historicals around that that type. Now, obviously, there's specs involved. There's, you know, the the color, all that stuff. It all matters. The mileage, but similar in a sense that you're trying, you're you guys are increasing value with with your kind of in the luxury market. Predicting out by by looking at, hey, this one that's aged at this at this level, is worth X. If we just buy it here and sit on it, it's going to be worth more later, which yeah. which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so you've almost got like predictable value creation. Yeah, two components. The first component is you can't cheat time, and and you know if this is selling, if a ten year old selling this much today, if we just buy the vintage or the yeah the vintage that's the only word for it the vintage, you know three four five years earlier of the same production and it was a similar year that year, then you can almost see into the future, right? Because you can't cheat time and there's intrinsic value creation in the maturity of the, of the asset, which is just, it's sitting in a warehouse.
0: Yeah. So when you're, when you're purchasing at the 30 cents on dollar, dollars, so you're buying obviously the, the newer stuff, are they selling to you at a discount on top of it? Or is it just that that's what it is at retail and it's going to go up from there?
1: there? There is a bit more fundamental analysis that goes into it, right? Because like, yes, a five-year-old of the same product, same production, you know, will will eventually get to the ten-year-old's value in terms of all that sort of stuff. But we, but we want more. We want more alpha than that. We want to generate more alpha, more vig. You know, we want more of an edge than than just that. So what we also look at is we look at yeah, betting big when inflation is high because these assets usually do well in a high inflation environment because they're on the sell side of inflation, not on the buy side, right? so you want to be you want to be riding the inflation wave not, not getting wiped out by it and also what we what we do is obviously you know we come in with economies of scale acquiring these assets we want to make sure that every time we acquire a bunch of assets we yeah we take a significant stake so we can almost influence in many cases price volume and depth you know we have 55 exclusive agency agreements where you know, we are the more or less the, the the monopolistic controller of that stock going into the London UK market, which is the biggest stage in the world for wine and whiskey. You know, every, every producer wants to be there. So, you know, that, that's like being a, a real estate developer and controlling all the land in a certain suburb. You know, so then you get to really, really juice as much you know appreciation as you can because you can release really the stock slowly, control supply demand, all that sort of stuff. And a, a big part of that what allows you to do that is to basically come in and buy it when no one wants it. So we buy it not just young, but we buy it when no one wants it, you know. So, so we get a bit, a, bit, a bit more of a squeeze there, right, maybe 5 10%. Mm-hmm. And then we look at its peak time to be drunk, whether it's 10 years or 12 years, 15 years or whatever, and then we hold it. And we hold it even longer. So we hold it when supply drops off a cliff and the market thinks there's no more left. And then we're like, boom. Mm-hmm. Then we re release it back into the market, and sell it back into the market at a premium when demand is high, supply is scarce. And, you know, there's even more market power at that point because what happens is it takes 10 years to open one of these things, 10 seconds to open one and drink them. So, you know, all we need to do, not all we need to do, I should say, it's, it's not that easy, but what we keep an eye on is just consumption habits you know if you want the price of a of a real estate house or a bottle of wine to double either demand for it's got to double you know twice as many people that want to buy it has this, this needs to increase or supply needs to half so the cool thing about these assets is that they're consumable so the supply is designed to diminish so as long as we keep an eye on those supply consumption habits then yeah we've got a pretty good, finger on the pulse of value creation and appreciation and price.
0: If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's com forward slash mentor. Do you also know like all the inventory that exists for the most part for that? Or is that, that's probably too difficult to track?
1: Yeah, so that's a double-edged sword because there, there's an opportunity and a difficulty in that. The difficulty is that you can't really ever know. You know, the opportunity is that you can you could almost bet that, you know when you go back to market, like let's say the price is at 100 dollars, and there was only about 10,000, 20,000 let's say 20,000 bottles of this made, you know, in and amongst 100 million drinkers, right? So if you go back into the market with 100 bottles. You know, you you could pretty much bet that there's gonna be less than what you think there is in the market and hundred is enough to sort of move the needle. So if you increase the price of all of those hundred all at the same time and bring them back in, the market will more or less think that it's the price. Mm. And, you know, and then whenever anyone is traded and one comes off the market, then you could almost it the price up a little bit more and things like that. So it's it's a very, very inefficient, opaque market that has a lot of inefficiencies that you know, if you have the right infrastructure, you can, you can, you can leverage.
0: Yeah. With, with real estate, I mean, all we're really doing on the, on the multifamily side of things is we're finding inefficiencies. So anything that, you know, there's somebody that's operating their property poorly, that's always going to exist. And you can go and buy it at a discount because operations are difficult and people, not everybody can do them. So yeah. you're, you're similarly, look, you're just looking for that. And if you, you know, no matter where the market's at, you can find some version of that, of course. So that's, that's pretty interesting that you said that as well. I mean, what kind of people invest into this and what are, what are like your normal returns?
1: Yeah. One yeah. yeah. Question. So we do get a lot of passion investors, you know, people that love wine, like sommeliers, hosp- people that have worked in hospitality, and they've seen they've seen these bottles just be open night after night after night, you know, weekend after weekend. So they're, they're like, wow, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. A sca- there's a there's a predictable convergence to, to an increased value due to the scarcity, right? And, and, you know, we have a huge, like, remember, this is a pure investment class, you know. It's alternative investment. It's non-correlated to the market, you know, returns, it's it's not hard to get double digit returns. You don't always get that, but it's definitely not hard to do that if you if you know what you're doing. And you know, so we do have a lot of sophisticated investors, like a lot. So you know, when you go into the office and you speak to a lot of the guys there and a lot of guys in the industry and a lot of guys that have been around the industry, the ex-bankers. You know, the ex-bankers, ex-finance guys, ex-investment bankers, ex-traders you know, because they're like, wow, you know, we've seen a lot, you know, like especially a lot of, of ex trader guys, they've invested in corn, you know, cannabis gold, you know, cause they, they just want, they've seen stocks go up and down and all that sort of thing. And they're like, okay, I've got that part of my portfolio. Now here's my, here is my long term. I hopefully double digit safety deposit part of my portfolio that sits outside the market in its own little lane. Right. So our returns for the last four years these aren't returns for our fund you know I'll just just want to say that because our fund is brand new but we're putting the exact same strategy into our fund our returns for the last four years have been eleven percent twelve percent fifteen percent fifteen percent across just under three thousand clients three thousand current active clients so you know across a huge portfolio of time and also a huge portfolio of individual portfolios. How long
0: are people typically expected to to have their funds into something like this to see the returns?
1: Yeah. So if you want to be in this game, you gotta be, you know, like a five-year thinking person, five years plus, you know. The more time the better. So our investment fund is a five year lockup with everything out at the end. And that's the absolute shortest we can get it down. You know, those assets will start selling them down In years four to five, and that takes an enormous—I can't tell you—you know—we're talking about like a hundred thousand bottles, right? So we're talking about an enormous infrastructure machine to be able to move these assets, but but it's worth it, you know, because like I said, double-digit return, uncorrelated correlated to the market.
0: So those returns, basically, at the end, you're like, all right, we'll give you after five years or more. Say, all right, here you go, and then you get all your principal back plus whatever the amount—eleven to fifteen percent. Is there are there any inherent tax benefits of this model or this fund or anything like that? Or or not so much?
1: No, no, no not so much. You know, because it's put into a fund, it's just like any other fund, you mm-hmm. know, it becomes income, capital gains, tax income, all that all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, if you are in the UK, that this is this is almost a bit why the industry exists, the wine whiskey investment industry. Um so if you're in the UK, the United Kingdom. And in England, especially, where a lot of people do this, when you have, when you buy wine, whiskey or art, they're classified as wasting assets, which means that they're not up for any capital gains tax. So, you know, like the art investment world is bananas. It's absolute bananas in the United Kingdom. You know, I know that Americans, uh, Australians and stuff have to pay capital gains tax on on art, wine and whiskey. But, you know, over there, you don't. So what that means is that the market just absorbs a higher price. So it's a great market for for guys like us, you know, an Australian like me, an American like you, to have an operator like Bueno exiting your stock in that part of the world, because they're going to absorb a higher price and you get a higher return. Wow.
0: And and there's a lot of demand out that way, right? So that those markets are, are some of the biggest. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. It's, it's very mature, you know, it's a very, very mature market.
0: Wow that's amazing, so how much have you raised so far in general across across all of your funds
1: the The fund hasn't started yet in terms of the fund, but in terms of that you know portfolio products that I was talking mm-hmm. about, we yeah. have about eighty three million u s under management right now, and that, that that's like a revolving sort of line of credit mm-hmm. so that goes up and down a little bit but in terms of our fund and you know, the Delaware Finance Interest. Yeah, we've got an ex-BlackRock Capital funder funds looking to take a significant parcel. We've got a few, a VC fund and a, and a family office that manages, you know, sort of leads investments for about 15 of their other family friends who wants to take a piece of obviously the investment, but also want to take a piece of the GP. mm mm-hmm. As well, because you know they're like, wow, you know, like we we want to want a piece of long term. We could see this this GP being really valuable, and how this is being operated, that sort of thing. And we haven't even gone to market yet, you know. So yeah. that's just from people talking about people because yeah, it, it turns heads and opens doors. Uh, this this type of product.
0: What do you think is the biggest risk to this investment?
1: Yeah, so there's there's three main risks. The first risk is. Is essentially market risk, you know, which everyone should consider in every investment. So that that basically happens if if people stop drinking wine or whiskey. So you know that could happen. Uh, has it ever happened before? Not really. You know, people have been drinking wine, making it, trading it for about two thousand years now. So it's got a longer track record than than most asset classes. The next risk is is yeah, pricing risk. You know, in terms of pricing risk. You want to have that mitigated by working with producers who are price makers. That's why we stick to that top one percent. You know, it's a bit like it's a bit like what I said with real estate. If if you buy in a city like New York City or San Francisco, or that type of thing, that's as much as you can do, right? You know, like yes, the price could move up or down a little bit, but that's as much as you can do. And there's a there's a fundamental, there's almost like a bottom, a bottom edge bedrock of that. Hopefully that price not, not going backwards. So we only like to deal with producers that are price makers. So basically when they increase their price or their their price very well for their standard of quality, they've got a huge follower base. You know, when we look at a producer, we even look sometimes look at their balance sheet, you know, to see okay, where have they been spending their money? Like, yes, they make great wine and they've been doing that for a thousand years, but where are they spending their money? You know, like one of the producers that we have invested in. They're in Napa, I think they're in Napa, and they've had a PE firm come in and invest twenty mil in the branding, the vineyard, and the the farm and everything. So it's like, well, if they have got a PE firm backing them, you know, helping them to take their brand and and helping them to sell more internationally and that sort of thing, and really betting big on you know building this brand up, then then why would we not piggyback off that, you know, and, and then and then ride ride that appreciation for our investors. Mm-hmm. And the third risk is actually quite, well, there's there's another one, which is breakages, you know. So all of these assets that we have, whether they're in storage or in transport, sometimes they need refrigerated transport. And sometimes it's better for us to wait until winter to move them around the world so we don't need to pay for refrigerated transport. You know, so we've got to consider that as well. We make sure that it's insured the whole way, so ensure that market price, you know, independently valued and insured, just like real estate. And then the last one is counterfeit risk. So counterfeit risk is is huge in the wine, whiskey, art industry because think about it, right? It's a perfect crime. You're talking about, say, like a 20, dollars $20, bottle of wine. There's not many people in the world that have drunk this, you know, especially someone that's buying it for the first time. And then usually when you buy it for the first time, you don't want to drink it. So you take it home and it sits on your it's just like as like a trophy on your shelf for five ten years, and then maybe you open it one night when you're drunk. And usually five in five drinks in by the time you open it, you don't remember what it tastes like. <laughs> so, so they can give you anything, right? So that's a huge risk. So the industry is about four to five billion dollars, the total industry that we invest in. So it's it's quite it's a very niche. It's a very sorry, sort of like rich niche, and particularly in Asia, there's about three billion dollars of counterfeit stock estimated. No one really knows. So 3 out of 5, 3 out of 5 bottles, imagine that 3 out of 5 bottles, say, in a place like China is fake. So, so we saw that as a huge opportunity to like, look, let's be like one of the first wine and whiskey investment companies that puts a stamp, bang, 100% guaranteed, guaranteed and authentic. As long as it's come from us, and, and, and it, but until it leaves our hands, we can't promise then. But if it's if it's come from our hands up until this point, we're going to guarantee that it's, it's authentic and it's real. And we're going to charge a premium for that because you know we're the only ones betting our putting our hat and betting our name on on that type of thing. So, so those are the risks. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about the counterfeit side of the thing. That that's kind of wild. I mean, makes sense. It's it's just a bottle, right? You could take the label, put something that looks a replica on, right, and and just sell it. And who's going to know the difference? That is that is crazy. Yeah. Maxwell, how can people get a hold of you? if they want to reach out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I can send some links that you can put in the show notes and things like that, but you know, no one I'm sure I don't read show notes. You know, they're pretty hard to find, especially when you're driving. So my name is Maxwell knee, Maxwell, like Maxwell smart knee as in November echo, echo N double E, you know, I'm addicted to LinkedIn. So if you message me there, you'll you'll pretty much get a response within 24 hours, maybe even 24 seconds. I'm the only Maxwell knee on LinkedIn. I accept every wine, I post regularly, and the company is called ONO, which is spelt October, Echo, November, October, O-E-N-O, group, or Wine and Whiskey Investment. If you Google Wine and Whiskey Investment Fund and my name, you'll, you'll find me and you'll find us. Great.
0: Maxwell, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Nice. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Garrett.
0: Hey guys, I love this show with Maxwell. It's really interesting to me to find other asset classes that people are having success in. Who would have thought you could invest in wine and whiskey? That's super cool. I love what Maxwell said when he's like, yeah, you need to be in the top 1% of production. So it creates that scarcity, which creates a good investment. I mean, similar to how in real estate, you have access to the best location, they have access to the top products. We do too on our end when it comes to deals in in our market, but that is, it's such an interesting concept. So you, you basically go in, look at a wine or a whiskey that's at a certain age, buy it, buy it a few years back, and then wait for it to get to that age to make an investment. What a, what a cool thing. And also what he said about how this works well in inflationary environments, you're able to pay more for a product. People have more cash and, we're seeing this in other areas of the world as well, with with different luxury products, right? So, why would this be any different? It's a, it seems like a pretty solid alternative asset class, honestly. And I really love how he broke out all the risks that are involved: breakage. I didn't think of that, or even counterfeit risk. That's super interesting. So that was that was a really cool informational interview. I mean, I definitely learned a lot about this alternative investment asset class if you guys are interested in getting involved in real estate as an asset class you can reach out to us at the slash mentor and get in touch with a mentor to really lift yourself into a different place if you've always thought about doing it reach out to us because it is it's an amazing opportunity to work alongside someone that's actually doing the business and get involved so with that guys, Thanks so much for joining the show today. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.